This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. How are you doing today? Again, we've got our Monday expert on Thursday because he cares about you. And we want to talk about these unintended consequences. So if you watched episode one, on this one, we're going to put on a thinking cap and look out 12 months. So come with us. It's now magically 2022. Uh, it's, you know, I don't know, summertime 2022. And we're going to talk about what might be going on in real estate in the investing world. So how are you doing, Greg? Doing great, Michael. Good to see you again. Oh, man, this is going to be a fun one because I have my ideas about what summer of 2022 will look like. Again, what might be a unintended consequence. And the first one I'm going to think of think about is interest rates. I think when you do these unnatural acts, you interrupt the natural interest gathering of, of you know, debt that maybe lenders in the future add a risk premium. Uh, to this equation, not to mention the economy is probably running a lot hotter. So my suspicion, the 30-year mortgage probably is over 4% next summer. Uh, I'm just curious what you think of that, both from a hot economy and, you know, is there a risk premium for what we're doing now? What do you think? Oh, yeah, it could start happening this year. So, you know, (laughs) the banks and the lenders, um, you know, that are going to have to pony up, if they don't get made whole by the government, you know, they're going to need to charge more because they're not allowed to charge interest on uh, the amount of money that they're allowing people to defer forbearance. So if you're in forbearance and you're not making your payments, you still have to pay that back. But the um, banks are not going to be, to be allowed to charge you interest if this new you know, plan gets passed. So they have to make that up somewhere. Then they've got administrative costs that they're not, not allowed to charge you for modifications, for forbearance. They can't charge you for those things. So that costs them real money to do these things. So, you know, banks are taking a big hit. So they're going to have to get made whole and they're going to be thinking about, well, this could be happening down the road. So yes, the way they make their money is fees and interest rates. So you're going to see a hike in interest rates to cover fees and all that. So they can Mm -hmm. just bury it there. That's one potential thing. The other potential is it could get much more difficult to get a loan. The qualifications Uh could go up. So you may have to be more qualified to get a loan because they're saying, well, let's look at who is in forbearance and why. And let's just make our guidelines a little bit more stringent. This is a private markets we're talking about. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about government-backed mortgages here. Um, some of these things could potentially affect Freddie Fannie and you know FHA and VA as well. Um, higher down payments, higher credit scores, more job history, you know those types of things. So sure. it could get more difficult to borrow money. Interest rates could go up. Um, which at the end of the day, those things will affect the, the value of housing. Uh, the, more, the more higher the interest rate is, the lower the prices are, lower the interest rate, the higher the prices. It's all relative. Same thing with a 40-year mortgage. It'll be interesting to see if you know, that picks up steam. You can get a 40-year mortgage. They're common in Europe and other areas. I think other countries, you can get a 50-year mortgage or longer. But um, if the 40-year mortgage takes hold, you know, that again lowers payments, increases house prices, It'll be interesting to see if there's a big push for that and there's appetite for those types of vehicles because it's more expensive for people, but people are living longer, so it could make sense. 
Yeah, that was one I wanted to talk to you about because I th- I think one one of the sneaky surprises is going to be the 40-year mortgage. I think I think you know, I've been doing this 20 years. I've never been quoted a 40-year mortgage. It's never showed up on any rate sheet I've had. I've known the 40-year mortgage is out there, right? You could request it. It's not a standard product as of today. So I mm-hmm. think what what will happen again by summer of 2022, which in the investing landscape is tomorrow, right? It's, it's like it's here in a whisper or a, a second, yeah. is we're going to see 40-year product become a standard offering. Maybe it starts in government back, right? Freddie, Franny, FHA, VA. Uh, but if it takes off there, it will become you know, a, a, a staple in, in private sector. And again, that'll just increase the price, right? The price of housing will go up. Because again, yeah. Well, you could already get it for um, you could already get it for multifamily loans. So for multifamily ground up development and redevelopment, Mm. um, you can get a forty year non recourse loan. So the agencies are already providing that debt to the multifamily market, and the first time they really started talking about it hot and heavy were you know two thousand nine ten coming out of the housing crisis. Mm. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that's a thing. And again, you can get it now, but it's more expensive. There's more fees. There's less lenders. So there's less appetite and competition for it. But if you look at these, inve- where the money comes from, generally life insurance companies, investment funds, pension funds in the federal government, it makes a lot of sense because that's long-term for them, which is what they're all about. They're looking for long-term annuity type investments. Uh, so I could see a real market for 40-year mortgages. And I think yeah, it can too. make a lot of sense you know, for people, as long as the rates and the cost are nominal and remain competitive with a 30-year or 20-year you know, obviously the shorter the term, the the less expensive it is, but, you know, shorter term debt might get more expensive because it's less attractive, you know, for investors looking for yield. Yeah. The other idea that I want, that I've, I've put out there the last couple of days, and I wanted to ask you as an expert is I think a lot of people getting these loan modifications, again, most cases, you're not writing down debt right? You're taking debt accrued, you're sticking out as a second, they're not charging interest. So the total debt doesn't change. Interest rates change, payment changes, but the bank or whoever that lender is, they're going to be made whole if you ever sell your property or pay it off and and you get there. So what I think we're going to have is we're going to have 3 million people not want to move because if they were to move, they would need to sell their home. And that's going to take the whole debt structure into into account so they're not going to have nearly the equity they think they have yeah i think we're going to it's all to me it almost boils down like rent control right if you get a rent control Mm -hmm. department in new york you never leave so my thinking is we'll have 2.5 2.8 3 million whatever it is folks in their home and they never leave right we the average home right now is about eight years i think nine years i mean we could see that really expand and that's going to have an impact right the whole move up process changes well you know it could but the problem is is that you know the whole generational transient home buyers change so back in the day people bought a house and they didn't move they didn't leave they stayed in one area now people are moving around all over the place all the time yeah so you know the younger generation man they're nomads you know millennials are nomads they're moving for you know they'll move in a heartbeat for a job they'll move Mm -hmm. in a heartbeat for better environments you know especially right now with what's going on you know leaving the northeast and the west you know those types of things so that permanent residency isn't so much a thing as it as it used to be in the past. So that'll be interesting. You know, the 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 big question is, and somebody asked this on my YouTube channel the other day, is, 
you know, even if house values go down, if somebody's locked in at a cheap interest rate for 30 years, won't they just stay there? And I'm like, you know, that's an interesting thought. And the question would be, it depends on your goals and, you know, what you're doing. But if your house goes down, you know, 50% in value, are you still going to want to keep making that payment? When you look at what it's going to cost you over 30 years, you know, versus, you know, where the values are. So, you know, depending on what happens, if rates shoot up, housing values go down, I mean, that could trigger people just throwing in the towel and, you know, giving up, even if you do have a cheap interest rate, especially if somebody has to move. Yeah. You know, if you get a job offer somewhere else and you can't sell your house because it's upside down, what are you going to do? You yeah, know, I, so. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think if interest rates shoot up all of that and people have really 30 year or maybe even 40 year cheap money. I think you're going to be yeah. surprised. More, most people aren't going to move because as you know, it's a trade-off. If I, I, I have to live somewhere, living in a car is uncomfortable. Yeah. So do I you know, stop making this payment, which is artificially cheap because of interest rate, or do I move and rent somewhere else? Yeah. I mean, that's going to be the equation everybody makes. And again, in 2010, it was a strategic default. Prices went down, people mailed their keys. But the problem there, as you know, was the debt structure. It was variable. It was mm -hmm. an arm. Today, not according to my mortgage expert, it's about 98% of people are getting fixed rate debt, either 15 or 30. So I, you know, I, I, I suspect we're going to have a lot more people not move. It just feels so much like rent control to me. It's like, I can't move. I'm stuck. I got, yeah. a, I got an artificially low payment that naturally would be higher. So I'm not going to move. They're not even going to look to move. I think it's right, which is a positive thing. You know, that's yeah. a good thing. Rent control, you know, that's a little different because, you know, that's really affecting landlords and, you know, which, which again, you know, I'm, uh, I'm conservative, you know, but, but I have some liberal viewpoints. And I think from a housing standpoint, man, you can only push people so far. You yeah. can only, people can only afford so much of their income, you know, for rent, you know, and you start pushing above 30, 35%, that's putting pressure on people. So, I, you know, I don't believe in the government coming in telling you what you can do. I believe in letting the market tell you what it what it can bear, you know, but, um, you know, as far as what you're talking about, and especially now with this world of remote working, people can work from anywhere now and employers are embracing that and they have mm -hmm. systems in place for it. So people need to move less. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, and especially people that just relocated, let's say you just left New York and went to Arizona or Florida or Tennessee or whatever, Denver, Colorado, wherever people are moving and you got a great, you know, house with a great mortgage. Yeah. You're probably not going to move. Yeah. Then the other thing I go right now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. The other thing I just want to acknowledge is we are absolutely kind of going back to episode one, helping existing homeowners. But I think one yeah. of the down, the downside of, you know, 2022 summer is prices are up, right? Yeah. Inventory never showed up. Uh, interest, you know, it's, I, I just think houses, like we're protecting existing home homeowners and punishing, you know, the future homeowner because their price, their payments go up. I just think we need to acknowledge that uh, because we're kind of interfering with the free market a little. Yeah, we are. The only thing, the only danger left to the housing market where, you know, a lot of people were call calling for 50% drop in housing values in 2021. That was yeah. a couple episodes you and I did. Yeah. Crazy. You know, the only thing that could affect, affect values like that would be interest rates. That's yeah. the only thing. Interest that. rates and the ability to borrow. So with these programs, interest rates can be affected and people's ability to borrow could be affected at scale that could really reduce the buyer pool out there. So that's that's the only thing to watch out for, the danger in the headlines, unintended consequences, less competition for mortgage offerings, more privatization of housing in general, which is a real thing. 
you know, with yeah. FHA and, and all that and, and Freddie and Fannie. So those are the types of things that, that could be an issue down the road. But, um, you know, the federal government still wants people to own houses. They're still pushing for home ownership. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, programs that are talking about home buyer down payment assistance for first time buyers and things like that. So it's going to be interesting to watch and see how the rest of this shakes out with these proposals and what those unintended consequences are, even the things that we can't even contemplate right now that are going to happen and, and, yeah. and be a result. Let, again, we're, we're suddenly, we're, we took a time machine together where it's July of 2022. And I just want to put some, some, see if we can just put our opinion on some numbers and we'll do it every half a point. So for example, I don't see any impact in real estate at 4%. I don't see any impact at real, and we're talking about 4% on the 30 year mortgage. I don't see any impact at yeah. four and a half. 5% starts to become an issue, five and a half, really an issue. If we ever got to 6% for some unknown reason, that would take the air out of the housing market. That's kind of how I break it down. You know, so it starts to get a little iffy at five. Where are you in that equation? Four, four makes four. a dent. I think five tanks it. Five. Oh, okay. Okay. That's interesting. All right. So uh, any other thoughts as we wrap this, uh, this episode number two? So your mark is five tanks it. My number is six tanks it. Yeah, I think four makes a dent, five just completely shuts it off. Ah, I like that. I like disagreements. All right, that's very cool. I'm going to go do some math on a 5% payment and a 6% payment in my market and see what kind of affordability change it is. Greg, thank you so much for reaching out on Thursday. We will talk to you again on Monday. What is your YouTube channel? Because you put out a lot of great content. The Greg Dickerson. So uh, my website, gregdickerson.com has links to all that uh, podcast, YouTube channel, but the, the Greg Dickerson. Guys, give him a follow, give him some shout outs. Thanks, buddy. Enjoy your day. Yep. Talk to you soon. Yep.